you were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, coming at you with your weekly roundup for the week ending October 14th, 2022. And we've got some fun stories ahead, some interesting things to go through. Um, You know, I just realized the other day, uh, like yesterday, that I got a COVID warning on the podcast. I don't know. A friend sent it to me. I don't know if it was on Spotify or Apple but I didn't even know that you had those. I thought those were only on like Instagram stories and tweets and stuff. But alas, here we are. And believe it or not, I have more follow-up news from that. So this is from Upward News, who I follow on Instagram. I encourage you to follow them. They've got a quarter of a million followers and post some really great stuff. They were talking about how um, there is... Uh, to, to quote them, this post is from three days ago, four days ago now. It says, in a high-profile dissent from the liberal scientific political community, Florida is now the first state to recommend against the old booster for male adults. And so Florida's uh, Surgeon General, Joseph Lapato, or Ladapo, excuse me, um, who is black, not that that matters, but um, it does seem ironic that he gets like canceled and silenced uh, because he has the wrong point of view. So remember that your race, gender, uh, LGBTQ status, like none of that matters if you step out of line, right? So it's only beneficial um, and you're only seen as a victim or as a voice that should be elevated if you believe the narrative, if you stay in your lane. And so um, the administration, so the, the Surgeon General's work in Florida there, cited a new analysis that shows an 84% increase in the incidence of cardiac-related death within 28 days of shots for that age group. So again, that's males 18 to 39. And so uh, we've seen other things like this, right? So this is what was really interesting. The Upward News reported said that European nations like Denmark, Norway, um, banned shots for everyone but seniors. Finland paused mRNA shots for adults, uh, adult men 30 and under. Sweden stopped recommending the shots for those between 12 and 17 of both sexes. And Australia significantly limited shot availability for those between the ages of 16 and 30. And so none of this is, is super surprising, right? We all know this, but it's just kind of amazing how much stuff keeps coming out kind of slowly. And this is, this is one of the classic situations, right, where 
It's like you're a conspiracy theorist until things come true. And it's uh, just kind of, it's, I don't know, funny is the right word, but it's really interesting to see all of this data and all of these studies kind of now being done um, by medical professionals, by universities, like I, I cited last week from Harvard and Johns Hopkins, that are really kind of highlighting that, hey, maybe these things aren't as great as we kind of previously thought. Maybe they actually cause a lot of issues. And then you also had the, the uh, Pfizer CEO coming out this week saying that the, uh, you know, the juices were never tested for stopping transmission, which is really interesting. So there's that. Um, this, uh, another story that uh, David Harris, so if you don't follow David J. Harris on Instagram, I also encourage that one. He posted this. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty sad. This is pretty tragic. Um, but it's just it's just wild to me. And this is this is the kind of stuff that with the with the Jamba Juice. I know it's kind of been a theme lately. Um, but you you see these like real life stories coming about, and these I mean were impacted. We had death and loss and permanent physical conditions that resulted from just this mass promotion of these things. And that's why I think that we as Catholics have a responsibility to be prudent in thinking about these and, and how we promote them. And, in uh, you know, all the ways I, I shared a great post this week from a meme Catholic account that really actually through memes showed the different ways that we can sin. And I don't think that I'm not saying that by any means that getting the Jamba juice was a sin or encouraging other people was a sin, but I think it, it might have just been a bad decision. And I think that in the same way that we can, um, you know, participate in the sins of other people by encouraging them, by applauding them, by allowing them, by, uh, you know, applauding them afterwards or coercing them, whatever it might be. I think we're participating at, at a minimum in the bad decisions of a lot of people, especially healthy young people who are getting this stuff. So, um, Representative Sean Caston tweeted this out on May 17th, 2021, said all Illinoisans, which is people from Illinois, 12 years and older are eligible for the juice. They are safe, effective and key to our path back to normalcy. Everyone in my family, including my 14 year old daughter, has started their juicing process. Um, and it says, here's how you can get your juice in a thread. And naturally, there was more threads underneath that. And then the tragic news is that this came out October 8th, 2022, reported by the Daily Mail. It says, uh, the, the headline says, quote, she was fine and then her heart stopped, end quote. Illinois rep Sean Caston reveals healthy daughter, 17 years old, died from rare cardiac arrhythmia, I don't know how to say that, um, in her sleep in June. Family has been left grasping at the wrong end of a random chant. And so it's like, do we ever like look into some of this stuff? There's so many stories. You have to be on like the low key dark web to find some of this stuff. But how many athletes, you know, healthy young athletes were just like dropping dead it was pretty crazy. Another uh, great article I thought from Upward News was the 2020 election being declared. They say it was declared illegal. I think that the processes of several states voting processes during the 2020 election was actually declared illegal. That's a, a more accurate, I think, description of it. And so you have to be careful. You know what I mean? Some of these right-wing news sources are going to be exaggerating and, and they're trying to get clicks and stuff as well. So it makes sense um, that you're going to have, ex you know, extreme uh, clickbaity headlines on both sides. But this I thought was really interesting because it says recent court rulings in two key swing states have deemed last-minute election reforms during the 2020 election illegal. 
And so in, basically these all have to do with kind of drop boxes. So in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, this is a quote, the Wisconsin Supreme Court recently ruled that the state's promotion of unmanned absentee ballot drop boxes during the uh, Rona lockdown measures were illegal. And so that's one. The other was uh, in PA, my home state of PA, the Supreme Court upheld historic state election law and declared that the Democratic Party of Pennsylvania's last minute changes to the state's election code were illegal. The court struck down the Democrats' expansion of unmanned mail-in ballot drop boxes, noting that Pennsylvania's constitution would have to be changed in order to allow mail-in voting. Last one was Delaware's mail-in voting law violated the state's constitution. And then it says illegal money was used to fund many of these illegal voting changes. And so uh, illegal means including $100 million from nonprofits tied to Mark Zuckerberg. Um, yeah, so I think what's important to understand, there's a lot of caveats, right? When it comes to the 2020 election, one of my least favorite things is people like President Trump saying that the election was stolen without the evidence that it was. But I also, on the other side of that, because uh, I hate hearing that over and over again, and I think he might actually lose in 2024 because he can't let that go and just accept the L, um, like most conservatives and Republicans have and moved on. The other side of that is, I think it's re- like to imagine that mailing ballots to everyone in a state, we continue to do this in Colorado, without them requesting it, and act like that's going to be the pathway to a safe and fair election with unmanned drop-off places and things like that is just absurd to me. I mean, I heard personal stories of people voting 5, 7, 10, 12 times because they collect these mail-in ballots that get, they're blown in the wind. I found ones on the street myself. And so it's like to think that this was like the most accurate and fair election of all time, which many people on the left actually claimed, um, is pretty ridiculous. Uh, kind of continuing on with this, uh, and, and kind of not bashing uh, President Trump. I want to play this clip. My, I, I want to also with the weekly roundup encourage you to watch like a video or suggest a podcast from this past week. And mine from this this week comes from uh, Jordan Peterson interviewing Piers Morgan. I think I t- I talked a little bit about this either in the Andrew Tate video that I did or the podcast that I did or. Um, um, last week's weekly roundup, I can't remember, but Jordan Peterson got emotional on the Piers Morgan interview on Piers Morgan Uncensored, and then he kind of had him on his own show to talk as well. Now, this podcast I thought was really mostly interesting just from like a learning about Piers Morgan perspective. He's actually a really interesting character and his rise to fame, his ups and downs being let go of CNN, being let go for not being willing to apologize for um, what was it that he said? He was called either like transphobic or racist or something. And he said something that was just like true and obvious. And uh, I think it was CNN told him that he had, or no, it was the British uh, media told him he had to apologize for it or he'd be fired. Oh, it was when he said he didn't believe anything Meghan Markle said and just thought she was lying when she was on Oprah. And people said, you have to apologize for it because it's mean. And he's like, no, that's what I think. So I'm not going to apologize for it, which is pretty crazy. But, um, What's interesting about Piers Morgan, I thought the most interesting part, if you only listen to part of it, because it's like an hour, 47 minutes. If you only listen to part of it or watch part of it, watch the last 20-ish minutes where they talk about President Trump. And I think it's the most accurate and reasonable explanation of why Trump shouldn't run again. Jordan Peterson is pretty against it. 
and he has good reasoning on his own, but Piers Morgan is exceptionally interesting because you may not know this, and I didn't really know this, but Piers Morgan and Trump were actually pretty good friends. And so Piers Morgan was on Celebrity Apprentice and won and became close with Trump and has some really kind things to say about President Trump and talks about how he wrote many articles throughout the Trump presidency and about 50% of them were criticizing, 50% of them were applauding and recognizing the good work that he had done. And this is this is kind of a, a quote that I feel like I'm going to play the beginning. This is kind of the teaser beginning video. Um, I want you to kind of listen to this. I think it gives a good overview of what he thinks is a big issue with President Trump. I said to him, do you mind if I just speak frankly to you? He said, sure. I said, look, the thing you've lacked this year, and it may be you just don't have this valve, so I'll be honest with you, but you, you've lacked empathy. You haven't been the comforter-in-chief. You don't seem to have that tool in your armory. You just want to be the strong commander-in-chief. And I said, that lack of empathy is going to cost you because you're up against Joe Biden, who everybody knows from his own personal tragedies, has huge amounts of personal empathy for people. And it would go an awful long way. But then I watched him go out the next day and do some press thing, and he was just exactly the same as normal. So I don't think he really has an empathy valve. Well, he's capitalized on being disagreeable. If you're in the public eye like that, and you're a critic, and you want to say what you have to say, and you want to separate the wheat from the chaff, it's useful to be disagreeable. But you can't be disagreeable all the time. It does look to me like this is an Achilles heel for Trump, this tendency to devolve into a very effective but somewhat juvenile bullying. And then combined with that, this proclivity to play the victim, which I really think is stunningly off-brand for him. It leaves everyone on the conservative side in the same position that the radicals on the left want to put conservatives, which is to abandon all faith in the credibility of institutions. So really interesting there. I love, I've heard Jordan talk about that before where he says, you know, this, this is off brand for Trump to play the, the victim. And I think that that makes sense. Trump is this kind of bully, this winner, this New York businessman, right? He doesn't take shit from anybody. And now for, for two years, we've just heard him whine and cry that he got this election stolen from him. And, and I remember QAnon, I have a few QAnon people in my life, and I don't really talk to the one who's kind of the main one anymore, but when you think about um, when they were kind of explaining this all to me, it was really interesting that uh, they were kind of saying like, oh, they're going to try to steal the election, but he's got something in place for that. And I just remember them talking about this and constantly saying, you know, he's got something in place. He's going to catch all of them. People are going to go to prison. And it's just, that's how it is with these like Q diehard Trumpers. I feel like it's always kind of this like constantly going on, you know, the next best, like the next thing that's coming. Like he's got a plan. He's got a plan. And it's like, where? Like the, the to me, that constantly happened throughout the four years. And then it was like, the election was kind of the pinnacle of that, where it's like, okay, let's move on. And then his inability to move on did uh, unbelievable damage to the country by us losing the Georgia senatorial races because he told conservatives to not go out and vote as a protest to the presidential election. And so it's like, how is this guy this like godsend and hero? I don't understand. Um, but another thing, I wasn't planning for this to be like fully political today, but it kind of just came out that way, is we've got uh, Tulsi Gabbard. And so I want to play this uh Video, if you don't know, Tulsi Gabbard kind of announced that she's leaving the Democratic Party. She did this on this big day where she uh, it was the same day as the release of this Joe Rogan podcast. Um, 
that she did uh and she posted a video on social media as well so let's listen to that real quick I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. And so that's really interesting to me. I think one of the most interesting takes I heard on it was from Dave Rubin, who... who really played a clip from her interview with Joe Rogan. That was from just her uh, personal Instagram page. But in the Joe Rogan uh, clip, she talked about how, like, today's Democratic Party is not the same Democratic Party that she joined, referencing people like John F. K., uh, JFK, uh, John F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King Jr., and these heroes of the past who, you know, he pointed out correctly that JFK has this famous line, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And today, the majority of the Democratic Party is the exact opposite of that. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what can your country do for you, right? How can we take money from those who have been successful or whose ancestors were theoretically the oppressors and give it to those who we view as the oppressed today? Um, how can we, you know, expand our rights and the things that we want, right? Um, those kinds of things. And so when you think about that, it's really interesting to, to see her kind of leaving. But, you know, the last thing I want to talk about was Kanye West and his kind of anti-Semitic comments this week and just kind of general thoughts on this whole like celebrity conversion stuff that we've been seeing lately. And I think that Tulsi is a good example of this. I think that in the conservative party, because so many people who are mainstream and popular are so ardently against anything that's remotely conservative or patriotic, or religious, whenever we see a slight glimmer of that, I think we have a tendency to over-celebrate. And so that's what I think can happen with the, the Tulsi stuff. It's great, I think, that she's leaving the Democratic Party. I think that many people have. You see Bill Maher's really close to that. Joe Rogan's really close to that. Um, Joe Rogan's been under an incredible transition from going from a Bernie Sanders supporter in 2020 to potentially being a Ron DeSantis supporter in 2024. I mean, that's that's amazing. Uh, that's quite the journey in just four years. And it's only been two years. It's only 2022. <laughs> but I think when you think about these things, like Tulsi leaving, Tulsi is still like very much pro-choice. She's very much uh, anti-Second Amendment and, and is a Democrat in many ways. But it is good to see and to celebrate, because you don't want to be pessimistic, it's good to see and celebrate the fact that people are realizing that there is this kind of third class of people who are the old Democrats, and I don't mean old Democrats as in age, but are, are old Democrats as in liberal Democrats, right? Like you saw in JFK and Martin Luther King and um, some of those people, right, who didn't hate America, but wanted to see reforms and progress. Um, but they are not necessarily conservatives. And I think that's where we have to like understand. I'd much rather see a presidential debate between a Ron DeSantis and Tulsi Gabbard 
than a Ron DeSantis and AOC, right? So it's still a good thing. And I think that it's great that they're going to be leaving and realizing how radical it is. And I think that the reasonable people of the party leaving it, especially these influential figures like Bill Maher and Joe Rogan and Tulsi Gabbard, I think is really powerful. Dave Rubin um, is really powerful and it's beautiful to see. And it's awesome. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Dave Rubin kind of talks about this a lot. He's like, we have to, you can't vote Democrat and then you can we can kind of figure everything else out on the backside. And I think that's kind of the right approach. But sometimes I feel like we lose sight of that. And I think that as Catholics, especially as we witness all of this stuff, we have to be mindful of the fact that we uh, have to be careful of who we endorse, what we believe, um, who we kind of support in these things. And so um, that that's kind of my thoughts with Kanye, too. You know, like he kind of comes out in these anti-Semitic comments. Um, I felt like uh, Ben Shapiro's Wednesday episode if you listen to the last 15, 20 minutes of that, you'll get to hear his kind of overview of all of it and him really acknowledging the fact that it is very anti-Semitic, what he said. And I think there's no way around that. Um, you know, I have this Washington Post article that I'll link as well that talks about um, him talking about going death con three on Jewish people and um, how Diddy Combs is controlled by Jewish people and this kind of like conspiracy theory that a lot of people have that I think exists kind of on the left and on the right of uh, Jewish people are behind the scenes controlling everything and have been for hundreds of years and all this stuff, despite the fact that they've been super oppressed and uh, marginalized in so many societies. Um, it's really, really interesting stuff, but he's got some stuff going on. And I think that we we love that he's pro-life. We love that he's anti-BLM. But then we kind of get like, we have to be careful what we hitch our wagons to, right? And I think that we're so quick. Anytime somebody says one or two things that we like, to just kind of fully go in on them. And I think that's often not good for the face of Christianity. It's often not good for the face of Catholicism or for the conservative movement to put these unstable um, people. We see this, it, it kind of happened with Bieber. It happens with Britney Spears has a, a couple, you know, comments about maybe I'm going to be this or that. Um, as far as like embracing some type of faith, um, and I think we have to be careful. Shia LaBeouf to me is, is almost the exception to this just because Shia LaBeouf was very much, uh, being formed by deeply Catholic, deeply traditional Orthodox people and not kind of having this like celebrity conversion that you see where like Justin Bieber is at like Elevation Church singing with them. And it's like, uh, you know, who's going to guide him? Stephen Furtick? Like, you got to be careful with that. Like this idea that they're now going to be the face of anything. And, and that's why they so quickly fall away. They get a lot of backlash, a lot of pushback. They're still in Hollywood. And I don't, I, you know, I don't blame them. I, I can't imagine what that fight must be like from there. You have to pretty much completely remove yourself from that in order to have any type of faith life or um, reasonable stances on things. And so that's where I feel like it gets really tricky. Um, so we just have to be careful with that stuff. And I think that it's cool. You know, Kanye made some Jesus albums and things like that. And that's great. I think, I think of him the same way I think of like my Christian rappers. I love Lecrae and Andy Minio, but you just have to be mindful of like, you know, they're not Catholic and they're not super Orthodox. They're non-denoms and you're going to get what you get from non-denoms most of the time. Alrighty. All right. And then lastly, um, I got to get rolling here, but let's take a look at the second reading, one of my favorites, I know I keep reading the earlier readings in the Mass, but let's take a look at Second Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4. Um, there's a couple verses from each. This is one of my favorites. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4 is worth reading in its entirety, but the last paragraph here is one of my favorites. I, I memorized this in college. So it begins, a reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, 
Remain faithful to what you have learned and believed, because you know from, who, from whom you learned it, and that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are capable of giving you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that one who belongs to God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in kingly power, proclaim the word, be persistent whether it is convenient or inconvenient, convince, reprimand, and encourage through all patience and teaching. Okay, so I love this reading. I think it has a lot of wisdom in it. And obviously just beautiful to see, you know, the truth of the faith, like all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful. So all scripture is inspired by God. Think of how powerful just this section is. All scripture is inspired by God, right? So we know that God had a hand in writing all of scripture. And that this scripture is useful for teaching, for refutation, so for refuting others or disagreeing with them, basically, for correcting them. It says specifically for correction and for training in righteousness. And so think about that. I, I was thinking about this recently with, um, I went to a men's group for the first time this past Monday night. And just thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, we were talking about how little time we typically as Catholics spend in scripture. And it's really tragic, but you can see all these things that scripture is good for. I recognize that it's inspired by God. I've been really moved in, in thinking about, um, excellence recently in holiness and sainthood uh there's a great point in the book be a man by father larry richards that i just started reading and he's talking about how he asks high schoolers you know high school athletes what are you going to do this year and they say we're going to win districts or we're going to be state champs or something like that and he asks them about their plan and their work ethic when it comes to actually achieving that goal and it's amazing how they much like the rest of us will talk about that goal and how it's going to just dominate their life, right? They're going to wake up early. They're going to stay late. They're going to work as hard as possible, several hours a day. And he's like, and we do that for a short-lived goal, right? Like winning the state championship, which to a high schooler is like the biggest thing in the world. But he makes the good point that by the time you're 50, 60, nobody's going to care about that anymore. You know, I'm 29 and realize how little I talk about and, and think about the fact that I like graduated from ranger school and deployed and did some of the things I did in the military because it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was six years ago. And that's six years ago. Imagine what I'm going to feel like 30 years from now. It's like, what am I doing now? What kind of man am I today? Is really what's going to dictate your, your I don't want to say self-worth, but your, uh, your view of yourself, right? The way you see yourself, who you believe that you are, who you really are. And so then going on, this is the part that I really memorized. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge living in the dead, to proclaim the word, be persistent whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Just that line. I mean, take that line into the weekend, man. Be persistent in preaching the word, whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Convince, reprimand, and encourage. These are the parts of scripture that I feel like people miss out on. And when we talk about the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, right? The spiritual works of mercy come from parts of scripture like this. St. Paul is telling us that scripture is good for refuting and correcting others and that we ought to reprimand other people. And again, as with all things, you find people who look at something like this and they find they either focus on reprimanding others or they focus on encouraging others. But it's hard to find the person who will convince, reprimand, and encourage through all patience and teaching. That is what we're called to do, my friends. As, as Dan Driver said, we're called to be both charismatic and traditional. 
We'll call, we're called to reprimand and encourage and to convince. And, and there's nuance in that word convince, right? When St. Paul tells us to convince somebody of something, you don't just convince somebody of, of a specific thing by ramming the truth or your opinion down their throat, right? You have to have some tact and some strategy and some love in there uh, and patience and kindness and gentleness. All right, so think about that as we go into this weekend. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was super hard to get out. I've had a hell of a week. I'm going on a retreat this weekend starting today, and uh, so I appreciate your prayers. It's a retreat for kids of divorced parents, which I'm super excited about, but I feel like this whole week just faced a ton of spiritual warfare, and it was kind of like some some Murphy's Law kind of going on, just some random hecticness, and a lot of good has come from that, but there's definitely been some challenges, so I appreciate your prayers. I got interrupted several times while trying to record this episode, so you probably heard my volume change and my vibe change, my energy change, and all this different stuff, so uh, I apologize for that and, and plan to really carve out a better time next week and, and hopefully won't have the contractor that's proven to be the most difficult in my life here next week when I record this episode. So thanks so much for tuning in. I hope this was uh, insightful and, and informative um, and hope that it gives you some good stuff to consider going into the weekend. So go out there, convince, reprimand, and encourage, and preach that gospel, my friends, through both words and actions. God bless you. Be your best.